Welcome to Two Cents FC. I'm your host, the Mobile Kugo, back again with my guy, Elb. Each week, we'll be talking with individuals from around the soccer world, learning about their stories and getting their unfiltered thoughts and opinions. This week, we're joined by pro footballer, U.S. futsal team member, and licensed coach and trainer, John Orlando. We'll be discussing his journey. His soccer journey is an amazing story. Can't wait for you guys to hear. Um, talking football versus futsal and coaching the next generation. And also, we're going to be saluting Kim Crab for Black Soccer History. John, how you doing today? I'm doing well, man. How you guys doing? Chilling, man. Yeah, Pleasure chilling. to have you on, man. Pleasure to be here. Pleasure to be here. You guys are doing some great work, so I'm happy to be a part. No, Appreciate thank it. you so much. I know L was very excited. You know, you've been on our on our radar for quite some time. So thank you for making it happen. First question we asked everybody: When did you fall in love with soccer? Ooh, we're gonna keep it all together. <laughs> um, I would say. I mean, honestly, I can't even answer that question. You know, I was I was born with a ball at my my feet. Basically, uh, my dad. Uh, is a, is a, is a, is a big time soccer guy. Um, played for the Ghana national team. Played for Ashanti Kotoko for one of the biggest teams in, in Ghana. Um, and so, you know, I obviously when I was born, you know, I mean, soccer was just in our blood. He was coaching at at uh, at UDC, and you know, he started Washington Soccer Club in Washington D.C. in the '80s, and you know, kind of like you know, soccer. That's his life. And so yeah. I was kind of like born into it. So when they were at camp or at practice with the men's team or whatever, I was there and it's pretty much all I know. And yeah. so I've loved it since I was, a, since I could probably walk. Okay. Respect. So, all right. Growing up, Ghana national team fan or U.S. national team fan? Ghana, man. Interestingly, because, um, I don't know, for some reason, I just had a, I just had a passion for, for Ghana and yeah. Africa. And I just think, I, I, obviously, you know, I, I traveled there when I was young with my father and, you know, got to see the culture and experience, you know, you know, meeting my family and, and things like that. And yeah. I mean, when I was a little, I mean, when I was younger, Ghana was playing some ball, bro. You know, Facts. they had some ballers. So, you know, for me, I mean, those guys you could really look up to. The U.S. at that time wasn't really, you know, Ghana, we're talking about quarterfinals in the World Cup and things like yeah. that. And I'm kind of like, you know, where, where were you? Do you, 2010 World Cup quarterfinals? I remember I was in Philly with my roommate, with teammate mm-hmm. too. We were cheering for Ghana like no other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what no, were you man. I, I mean, yeah, obviously I, I was, I was, you know, back home in Maryland. Um, but yeah, that was, I mean, super exciting. I mean, like that was like, I mean, it is. I, I mean, words can't even describe. Yeah. You know, the feeling of seeing your, you know, your country going, you know, doing the things that they were doing. So. No, I feel you. I feel you. I, I'm still upset of that moment, but I think it was a blessing in disguise because, you know, the world, God wants Nigeria to be the first team to make it to the first African <laughs> to make it to the. So just um, to make it to the final. I mean, yeah. So uh, let's let's talk about it from the uh, perspective. You know, you grew up in Maryland. We've had a couple of guests on the show uh, from Maryland, from the DMV area. Where do you rank DMV soccer? As, as oh well? man, I, I rate it high, man. I, I rate I rate I rate uh, uh, DMV soccer, uh, you know, super high. Uh, as you said, I mean, there's a lot of talent that that has come out of this area, and not only individual talent but great teams. I mean, when I was Obviously, my age group, 05, we had Casimir Bass, who to me is probably the best 
if not the best, one of the best youth teams ever assembled. Okay. Um, you're talking three straight national uh, 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 titles, or I think two straight and one to the finals. I'm not exactly sure. You got to fact check me on that. But um, I mean, just, you know, countless pros out of that group. You're talking, you know, your Freddie Adu's and your, yeah. you know what I mean? You know, AJ De La Garza's and, and people that have, have, have come through the ranks uh, out of this area. And, you know, you guys just did, did, did Joe. So, you know, another player from, from the area. So, I mean, big time yeah. talent. I rate us high. I rate us yeah. high. I can't put a number on it, uh, but, I, but I'll stack us up against, against anybody. And no, respect. What I love about DMV is, like, you guys hold it down. Like, everyone res- res- supports everyone. You know, Cali is, like, little pockets. But if you're from the DMV area, everyone, like, yeah. shouts each other out. And that's what I love about, you know. Yeah, but the DMV is so super small. Cali's, oh. you know what I mean? Cali's yeah, exactly. enormous, you know what I mean? Yeah. But, you know, 11 v 11, we take in whoever. <laughs> okay. Whoever, that's a fact. You said DMV so, versus everybody. Yeah. DMV versus everybody. <laughs> yeah, DMV versus the world 11. <laughs> So, like, talk about your upbringing, because, you know, doing some research, you know, uh, you know, you, you grew up in a soccer household. Your dad was an OG in the game, uh, but you kind of had other passions. So talk about your origin. You know, how did you get to where you are now? Uh, I know there's some fun facts in there. You, you know, you were in a go-go band. You know, give us give us give us the full story. All right. So. I mean, I, I guess we'll start. I mean, I'll start probably in my, I'll probably, yeah, we'll start probably like getting out of elementary, going to middle school. Um, and so, you know, that's when I had my first taste of, well, obviously you had ODP and things of that nature. But when I first played with, my soccer career kind of started when I first played with DC United Academy. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was first ever academy. Um uh, in the history, I think of the MLS. Actually, it was in '99, 2000. So you're talking about the beginning years, beginning stages of the MLS. And we went to Paris um, and played against Manchester United, Juventus, teams like that. Um, and, you know, uh, that was huge. Um, and you know, from then on, you know, I, you know, I was always, you know, one of the better players um, in the area. Yeah. Um, and, and so growing up, you know, I was always, you know, obviously playing for, you know, top youth clubs, ODP and, and all the other leagues that you got going on and things like that. Um, and then, uh, you know, going into high school, I went to Archbishop Carroll High School, which is a um, which is a which is a predominantly black high school. I mean, you're talking 90, 99 percent uh, black. Really? Yeah, you might have uh, maybe a little less because, you know, you ha- we had a pretty good Hispanic community as well. So maybe. I don't know, maybe five or ten percent Hispanic, but uh, mostly black and very, very poor soccer program. Um, but obviously, the coach that came in there, Coach Diaz, um, um, recruited a lot of uh, of the top black talent into that school because it was it was a private school, mm-hmm. and they were very low in the WCAC, which is a big, big, big powerhouse conference in, in the DMV. Not so much anymore because we know where high school soccer has went. Obviously, yeah of the academies and things like that. But back then, if you were any type of player, you were playing in the WCAC. And we went on to beat DeMatha, which was one of the, obviously, you know, big time school. And, and you know, we were 23rd in the nation. So um, youth career and, and and obviously going into college, uh, you know, I did very well. I would say uh, going into my senior year, um, I guess you could say that's where mm, things, you know, started to change a little bit for me as far as my passion for soccer and my 
uh, I guess my my studies mostly. Um, yeah. I wasn't a very good student. So um, it's a funny story because obviously I, I told you guys before my dad was a coach at UDC. And so I had a few offers. I wasn't really highly recruited coming out of college, to be fair. Um, I, was, I was slightly undersized, um, very skillful. But obviously we know that doesn't mean much in the grand scheme of things in U.S. soccer because – the colleges are looking for the bigger and faster guys. And obviously yeah. it's understandable because when you watch, you know, college soccer in the U.S., that's what it's kind of geared toward, you know, getting up and down the field, playing with pace, playing with size, sending the ball in the box and getting guys in there to finish and things like that. So it's not really, you know, conducive to a player that's kind of on the smaller side with, with, with technical ability, but not able to get up and down, you know, with the, with the, with the bigger player. So for me, I had a few offers and, you know, D2, a couple D1s, and, but nothing major, you know, Maryland or Dukes or UNCs or nothing like that. So very, very low, I guess. Coaches rated me, you know, not too high. And it didn't help that my grades weren't the best. Um, so obviously that put me in a position where I had to obviously take a take a different route going into college, which I didn't really want to do anyway. I, you know, I'm not, I, I really did not like school. Still don't. Yeah. You know what I mean, I don't like studying. I don't like, I mean, I like learning, but as far as like studying books, that wasn't my thing. Um, so ended up going to university of DC. I played one semester there. Um, I mean, I did well. I was number nine in the nation in scoring, I think, and number seven in assists. Um, so I did, you know, I did very well as a true freshman. Yeah. Crazy because you got guy. I'm 17 and there's guys on my team that are like 30. You know what I mean? <laughs> D two, they don't, you know, there's really yeah, no they're playing gap years and stuff. Exactly, like you could literally be forty playing. I had like a forty year old on my team. Yeah, <laughs> we, crazy. yeah, it's crazy. But there's literally no regulation. So to be a true freshman in D two to to do as well as I did was was pretty good. Um, but I only lasted a semester, and then I dropped out of school, and then. Um, that's where things kind of shifted in life, where obviously if we were talk, going more into the go, I'm from D.C. So if you know anything about D.C., obviously one of the things that we are super passionate about is our music and the most popular music in D.C. at the time. Now it's not so much. Go-Go's kind of falling off a little bit. But back then, Go-Go was everything. Okay. Uh, I'm talking about you could bring in artists from anywhere. Lil Wayne, whoever was hot at that time, they want to see the Go-Go bands. You know what I mean? They want to see yeah. the TCPs. They want to see the backyards. They want to see the bands that are from D.C., um, and that's what the people wanted. And that lifestyle, that lifestyle it was appealing not only to me, but to all the, the, the young guys and, and, and women coming up, obviously, in the DMV area, because, I mean, it was just for us, it was everything. Gogo was everything. Yeah. And so, you know, in high school, you know, one of my best friends, even to this day, uh, you know, he kind of introduced me to, to Gogo. And, um, you know, um, I fell in love with it. I fell in love with it, bro. I started, you know, going, he played with one of the hottest bands um, in the city. And I used to just go to shows with him and things like that. And, um, uh, you know, with that comes a different kind of lifestyle because I don't want to say go-go is a, a negative thing, but it, it's definitely a, uh, it definitely distracts you from, I guess you can say, making good choices because again, you're around, you know, you get around girls and drugs and money and alcohol and things like that. And then your mind shifts. Well, my mindset obviously shifts from football to yeah. now I'm focused on being popular and getting money and getting drunk and high and whatever else, you know, that, that feeds that, you know, that obviously that night, yeah. that, that nightlife, life, nightlife, life, lifestyle. Um, so was doing, uh, ended up doing that. And then I was like, well, I might as well, yeah, I got in a, a band. I was a rapper. 
for this band called T for for another band called TOB, which is they're still playing today. Um, very popular band. They're still doing their thing. So shout out to them. Um, and then you know I started my own band called Renegade. And then in 2008, and that's where I was the lead vocalist. Um, and so a lead vocalist basically is a is the person that leads the band. Uh, you, you know, you call you 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 call you change the songs. You you make up the sets. Uh, you what song you're gonna play at what time. You help design. You basically design the songs and control the band. I mean, the band goes where you take them. Um, so any band that's that's any type of popular in the area has a great front uh, lead lead talker because the lead vocalist is that's the front man. That's who everybody looks to in the crowd and in, in the band. So you got to be good at at that. Did you always have like uh, like a talent in music, or it's like once you like got an introduced to go go, you were like, "This is my, I, this is my calling." Kind of like this is what I have a talent in this. Um, I, I mean, my, my family, uh, my mom not so much, but my dad was a drummer. Um, you know, it's funny because he took time off from soccer before he went to Kodako and then eventually to the national team. He he went somewhere to play music, to play the drums. It's funny, we talk about it all the time because it's kind of like our stories kind of, you know, correlate like that. Yeah. Um, and then my brother as well, he's a professional drummer. Okay. So he's, a, he's yeah. a touring, so he's a touring drummer. So I guess you could say music is, you know, kind yeah, it's, of- it's in, the, it's in the blood. It's, it's in the blood, blood. just as just soccer is in our blood. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And so, yes, I think for me, you know, being able to, I don't know, find, a, a passion outside of soccer and be able to express myself to people in a different way other than being like on the field and being judged by my performance on the field, being judged by, I guess, my performance in the band was, was just as exciting. And so yeah. I found, you know, a, a deep passion for that. And, and, I, and I, and I loved it. But again, like I said, I mean, that causes, obviously, you know, I got, you know, you know, I've had, I've made some good friends, but you get caught around the wrong people as well. And when you're doing well in, in that type of industry, you know, you get you get people attach themselves to you that may not have your best interest or, you know, um, may not even know, you know, anything about you, really. I mean, you know, no. you kind of just people just kind of come around and you're just, oh, what's up, bro? Whatever, whatever. Yeah. And so we go down that route. And then I want to say about, let's say, 2010. Eight, nine, ten, eleven. So you're talking about five years now without touching a touching a soccer ball. Uh really like not even pick up, like not even juggling around. I mean, you know, every once in a while, you know what yeah. I mean? I would, you know, maybe touch a ball, but you know, nothing consistent. Nothing yeah. I can say, all right, I played two or three days straight, or or I even, you know what I mean? I'm going out to the gym or anything like that. I mean, I literally just just drinking. Like I used to drink a lot back then. Like that was my thing. Just to drink, go out, party, uh, do the go-go and and that was it. Yeah. And and my band got really popular. And so we're doing shows. I mean, you're talking about you're doing shows in front of thousands of people. Yeah. Um, and, you know, uh, you know, it's not like a, a touring band where you're going to different cities. I mean, you're literally going from D.C. to another spot in D.C. to maybe you'll go to a spot in Maryland, a spot in Virginia. And sometimes we might go to North Carolina and do a show and, and things like that. But, I mean, you're talking about just we're playing and practicing. We're seeing each other maybe five or six times a week. And that was my life. And, you know, you invest money into it and you invest time and effort and energy and, and, you know, I guess, you know, make that, we didn't make that much money, but I mean, we had some great times, Yeah. but, um, you know, like I said, that started to, my life started to go in a direction where I don't know, and I believe in God and I think God, you know, in, in the, and during that time, you know, uh, I wouldn't say that God wasn't 
I wouldn't say that he was he wasn't pleased with me, but I would say, you know, obviously, I think, you know, uh, when you're going in a path that you're, you know, I think sometimes you're allowed to do things and experience things that I can put you where you need to be. Yeah. And, you know, I felt I feel like, you know, I, I experienced those things and I and I went through a coming out of Goga. I was in like a really, really, really like deep depression. And, and, you know, I didn't know whether I wanted to live or die. And then you get to that really low place in life. And, it's it, you know, it was it was very tough for me to, to get out of that place in particular. And that was around 2010. So you're talking about around two, November of 2010. And, you know, I went from this great soccer player, full, full scholarship to, to school. Um, you know, I go to the, go into the go-go and I start from the bottom and go-go and then get myself up to a, to a position where, yeah, you're finally starting to make some money and get some fame and things like that. And then pff, right back, right back down to the bottom. And so, uh, you know, you know, obviously, you know, going through that w- was, was very eye-opening because I didn't know that somebody could actually get that sad. You know what I mean? Yeah. And not really have a reason for it. You know, I couldn't explain people, wow, what's wrong with you, man? You got all this. And you, I was making some good money. I had a good job and things like that. So people are like, you got the band, you got this, you know, the girls love you and da 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 But, uh, you know, none of that brought me happiness, I guess. And I can't really explain why. Um, so fast forward to about, so 2010, honestly, from 2010 to 2012, I was really just getting my life back together. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, from that low point of depression and things like that. So I'm, I start going to church and I start, you know, you know, seeking mentorship from, from people that are older than me and, and more, you know, more experienced in life than me and starting asking questions of why and I'm here and, and finding about purpose and, and things like that. And, um, uh, so that happened and then, you know, I started finding myself getting better and better. And, you know, every day I started, okay, but I do have purpose and there's a reason for me, me, me to be here. Uh, and, you know, one of the quotes that, 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 um, that, that troubled me during that time was I heard a quote that said, life is meaningless and, and death is inevitable. And I remember saying that to somebody, I said, is right. Is life really meaningless? Because we all know that death is inevitable. So yeah. I guess, you know, the, the first part of that quote is to try to find the answer to the first part of the quote. Mm-hmm. And for me, the, the meaningful piece for me in life was, was football. Yeah. And I, I went through all that to kind of find my love again and my passion and direct all my depression and my anxiety and my fear and my anger and my, you know, regret and shame and all those type of things. I directed that into my, 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 uh, my, my soccer and, and my, my, tra- my, my, my getting myself back to, you know, where I know I should be. And that's when 2012 hit and I just start training. I mean, I'm talking about two, three times, two times a day. Um, I start playing in all these like leagues in, in, in DC and DMV got some tough leagues, bro. Yeah. Tough leagues. You got leagues like Copataka, you got Herndon leagues, you got leagues out in, in Maryland. And I'm talking about, you got ballers. Um, you got guys coming from El Salvador. There's a big uh, El Salvador, Honduran, Guatemala and Central America community in this area. So you got a lot of ex pros coming to play in these leagues. And I'm talking about battlegrounds, bro. Guys playing like going hard. And so I start finding a lot of success <clears throat> in those leagues and I'm scoring a lot of goals. And during that break, I kind of grew into a man, you know, cause okay. I was 17 and 18 and in my freshman year in college. So I was still struggling a little bit with my size and trying to compete at that level, which is, I think one of the things that kind of, you know, put me, put me on the outside and say, ah, I'm not really feeling this. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I really grew into my body. Cause at that point I went from 18 to now I'm 23 years old. And so I'm a man and I'm fast. I'm back. I, I got my speed back and I'm quick and I'm, yeah. you know what I mean? And I'm, and, 
I'm like, all right, you know, you're doing your thing. You're winning, you're winning all these tournaments, you're goal scoring champion in all these leagues, which are not easy leagues to play. I mean, these guys are the refs are terrible. You yeah. get crowd, you're getting kicked down, spit on, guys in the crowd coming, throwing beer on you, tripping you on the field, all types of shit, man. I'm telling you, like, if you don't got no, if you don't got tough skin, you can't play in those leagues. No, fact. We win the league back to back. We go to El Salvador. I go to El Salvador. I do really well. And like some coaches wanted to keep me in El Salvador. And um, I'm like, no, nah, I'm not really feeling El Salvador. I'd rather go back to the U.S. You know what I mean? So I go back, come back to the U.S. And then uh, I started playing futsal in the DMV with this with this group called uh, Sporting Maryland, which was a which is a which is a was a pro futsal team in, in, in the DMV. But during that time, I'm still doing those leagues. And then one of my coaches from when I was a youth player back when I was a knucklehead, funny enough, um, saw what I was doing, Facebook and, you know, thank God for social media. And we talked and he was like, hey, man, look, we'll bring you on a trial with the Real Hawks, who at that time was in the NASL, which at that point, which is not sanctioned anymore, which isn't a league anymore, actually. Yeah. At that point, it was division. It was the second division in U.S. soccer. And yeah. then you, had, you had the MLS, the NASL, and then you had USL as the third tier. And so, you know, he's like, we'll bring you in on trial. You know, you come down and, and we'll see where you're at. and you know, if, if, if we if, if we like what we, what we see, you know, we'll see where we go. So they, they brought me down for a week, put me in a hotel and I trained with the group for a week. And they said, all right, you look good. Let's bring you down again. So they brought me down again. I played a couple friendlies with them. And then they offered me my first contract. And then the rest is kind of history. I stayed there for a couple of years. Then and I was at that point, I was 28. And so you're talking about my rookie year and professional soccer was at, you know, was 28 years old. Yeah. Uh, and so, um, you know, went left, went from that to, and then I went and signed with the Baltimore Blast, uh, which is the MASL team, probably one of the, you know, obviously the most historic franchises in major arena, uh, so- in major arena soccer league. We won a, 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 a world championship uh, there. And then um, after that, um, got recruited by the national team, U.S. football national team coach. And, um, you know, just recently went on, out to Croatia to play in the, um, uh to play in, in the port playing porch and in the porch futsal cup and then you know got my first cap with the national team and you know the rest is history now i'm here running my program and and, and things like that so i mean it's a it's a pretty deep story and you know it has a lot of twists and turns and you know i could go into detail and you guys would be like but <laughs> i'm already thinking my head's spinning like yo this is a movie script material yeah, just, I mean, you know, during that time in 2009, 2010, I mean, you're talking about, you know, obviously, you know, you're running the streets and everything that comes with it is all involved yeah. in that. And then you start to realize as I get older now and I start to look back, I start to realize why my why my life spiraled in that direction and yeah. why eventually God got me to that point where I could get out and then do something more positive with my life. But I have those experiences now that I can share with people like you and obviously share with the world and, world and, the, and the kids that I train on a daily basis and, and I can relate better so i'm thankful for it i wish you know i could have realized it a little sooner i could play pro a little bit you know be get, get out there a little at, at a younger age but again i'm thankful for the experiences i've had i mean i i've traveled the world i've done some amazing things so yeah man that's, that's kind of the story in a in a condensed uh version i know i was a little little lengthy but no no that's perfect i mean that's you know that's what the audience yeah. loves. you know gave a full detail we appreciate your insights I think for me, you know, when it comes to your journey, I think every everything happened for a reason. And those experiences are helping you, you know, with the impact that you provide now. Um, but I got one question. You know, you've played at the highest level. You've played in different levels, men's league, uh, uh, adult leagues, El Salvador. 
when it comes to outdoor versus indoor versus futsal, give us the differences because I know personally indoor is hard as hell. You know, every off season we have like a Christmas tournament, indoor tournament, and there's this like local team and they, it's war. They know how to play the angles. They like know how to do the rotations. It's like, it's unbelievable. So talk about the differences and like for anyone that's, you know, looking to learn more. Um, uh, let's start with outdoor. I mean, most people are f- more familiar with outdoor. I mean, outdoor is pretty self-explanatory. I mean, everybody plays it, especially in the U.S. I mean, since, they're, you know, when they're kids. Futsal is not really – it's getting there now, but it's not really something that we're taught as 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 young players. I was never taught to play futsal. I, I never played futsal up until I was an adult, really. I played indoor a little bit. Um, but um, I would say the difference, obviously, outdoor is – is obviously it's 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 more for me it's more and I don't want to say that but I would say it's more tactical um it's it's definitely obviously I mean it's it's you it's more strategy you got to play you know with the team you don't have to be as individually talented um uh, your movements don't have to be as sharp you don't have to be as quick you can kind of you know you can kind of get away with with things in outdoor as far as resting and and, you know, and things like that during the course of a game that you can't get, you can't do in futsal or indoor. Mm-hmm. Um, indoor is just a complete, and then obviously in, in outdoor, you got to, you know, you're playing on a regulation field. Um, you got regulation goals. Um, you know, you're playing offsides. Um, um, you have, you have throw-ins um, and, and all the rules that come with, with outdoor soccer. Uh, whereas though it's indoor, you, there's, there's no out of bounds lines. Oh. You're playing in, on a slightly, you're playing in, in an arena. Um, so the, the court, I mean, you could say it's a, it's actually a pretty big, I mean, when you're playing professional indoor, the fields are, 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 are pretty pretty, big. I mean, yeah. you're talking, I mean, I can't give you the exact, exact size, but I mean, it, it's, I would say the size of like a hockey rink. Okay. And you're in, you know, outdoor, you're playing 11 v 11 indoor, you're playing five v five with the goalie. So, six v six yeah um and that obviously you don't have out of bounds so you have walls yeah. so you can play the walls you can play boards you can you know what i mean you have yeah. you know you have you know set plays and and things that you have to remember kind of like basketball so you have you know, let's run one let's run two um you got plays off of kickoffs you got plays off of kick-ins off the board um side plays all types of things um and it's very it's a very rough game you know, it's very, you know, you can contact, you can push a little bit. Um, and it, it requires a lot more of how to play than skill. You That's have cool. some players in indoor. Don't get me wrong. There's some there's some good-ass players in, in the indoor league um, um, that you would rate, you know, very high that come from futsal backgrounds and things like that. They have a lot of skill. But some of the players that find success in indoor, you'd be like, how the hell is this guy a professional soccer player? <laughs> but he knows how to play the boards. He knows yeah. how to find his angles. He can finish because, again, finishing an indoor and puts exactly. on, yeah, it's different or outdoor. Outdoor, you know, mostly you're going to finish the ball. Yeah, you'll strike the ball with power. You know, every once you'll see some, like a guy will just yeah. lace the ball. But a lot of times you're going to see a guy finesse the ball, you know what I mean, place the ball and finishing. Whereas on indoor, you see a lot of guys hitting that ball and striking it and roofing the ball. And, th- and some guys have that skill to just be able to place the ball where it needs to be and hit it with enough power so that goalie can't save oh, yeah. it. And then going into futsal, obviously futsal is just a, it's just a, it's just you know you're going into a smaller court equivalent to a basketball court, but it's bigger than a basketball court. A regulation futsal, uh, um, 
uh, court. But I mean, futsal just it, completely different from outdoor and indoor. I mean, futsal is probably the most technical. Um, I mean, most uh, technical, tiring, strategical um, uh, game that that you're gonna play. I would say it's not as physical, but it is physical. But um, with futsal, you have kick-ins, um, and you're playing with four on the side with goalie, so it's five a side. Yeah. Um, and futsal, I mean, you gotta, I mean, you have to defend while you're on the court. And, and indoor and futsal, you have unlimited subs because you can only play and indoor. Your, your shift is only gonna be a minute and a half maybe two minutes, that's, that's stretching it. You say between 90 seconds, you're that, you know, to about, yeah. you know, that's about as long as you should be on, on with the, in, on the indoor court. Futsal, you're talking about maybe four, three to four to five minutes, depending on where you're at with your fitness and what kind of play you are. Outdoor, yeah. obviously you're playing 90 minutes with, with three subs. But so which you one know, you like better? Which one you like the best? Now I would say futsal. I've okay. kind of transitioned into, you know, loving futsal, which I used to hate futsal. Coming from yeah. outdoor, I was very bad at futsal. I didn't know how to play. I didn't know how to defend. I didn't know how to track runners. I didn't know how to run plays. I didn't know how to trap yeah. the ball because there's a different way you control the ball. I didn't – all that stuff I had to learn. I didn't know how to rotate an offense. And so all <laughs> that stuff I had to, to, to learn. So it took me about a year or two to kind of – to get to the level where I'm at now yeah. where you're playing against the best players in the world, which, you know, you know yeah. now I can, I can hang. But – I think I like futsal more, just kind of I've I've adapted to it. No, that's amazing. I know a lot of clubs, especially like in California, you know, do like futsal training for the young kids. Talk mm-hmm. about, you know, if you can do it all over again, like would you recommend futsal as part of like the technical training? Um, just an, uh, just another aspect to developing, whether you're playing outdoor, indoor, or futsal, you know, that futsal aspect, you know, you see some of those players, technically they're just miles above. Uh, like what's your what's your recommendation on that? Yeah, I mean that's yeah. I rate futsal highly when it's when we're talking about youth uh, youth development. Um, it's unfortunate, you know. I you know um, you know I'm a I'm, I'm a very skillful player. Uh, my dad was was very you know adamant about step over turn scissors. There's that repetition, repetition, and so you know it became a part of me. But a lot of the coaches I think now, especially in the U.S., don't really, I mean, don't really focus on the basics of you know learning specific skills and the repetition and and making those uh, second nature to, to how you play. Oh. Um, and we don't do much street soccer here, much freestyling and things like that. So the creativity is kind of lost uh, when you're talking about soccer in the U.S. Um, and it kind of showcases itself. I mean, when you watch, obviously, the, 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 the first team and things like that, you can tell the players that have played over in Europe and developed there and the players that have come out of the, the systems here. Um, when you look at Brazil, when you look at Spain, Argentina, when you look at, you know, uh, you know, those 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 European teams that find success, obviously their players have come from futsal background. You look yeah. at some of the greatest players ever, Ronaldinho, uh, Messi, uh, Iniesta, you know, guys that, you know, in, Iniesta wrote a whole uh, uh, article about why players should only be playing futsal until a certain age. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and so I, I wholeheartedly agree with that because you have to learn how to be special. You have to take players one-on-one. You have to defend you have to defend. If you don't defend, you you're gonna get punished. Whereas yeah. though seven v seven outdoor on that big old field with with eight year olds, you might touch the ball three four times a game. Yeah, you're chasing butterflies and, and <laughs> just like looking at the grass and stuff and talking to your parents during the yeah. game. You know, like come on, buddy. You know what I mean? Whereas yeah. those people, if you're not locked in, you're getting punished. And then yeah. you have to take players one on one because it's a one v one game. Somebody's yeah. gonna be checking you one v one. If you can't go. You're not going to find success, right? 
Yeah. Yes. Futsal to me is should be mandatory in U.S. soccer. And I hope one day they mandate that players up until a certain age play futsal. I love that. And only oh. futsal until. And then, you know, obviously it's USA. They want to play outside. We could give them an option, you know, around nine and ten years old. Okay, now, you know, if you guys want to play 7v7, all right, go ahead. Whatever. Yeah. But you have to play futsal uh, six, seven, eight, nine years old. Yeah. No, you bring up great points. I think, you know, I was during the offseason, I was at the park uh, I saw these kids playing. I'm like, yo, you got five kids in the back just like looking at the sky, picking the grass. I was like, in futsal, you, you can't hide. And you talked about that street culture. And that's what, you know, in the culture in the United States, that's why people love basketball. That's why people football, you know, you can't hide. So talk about it from like the inner city. You think futsal would be a great um, complimentary service or uh, a sport um, to get more people involved in soccer? Like that aspect of taking someone 1v1, that aspect of having that that street, that culture in the game of futsal um, engage, you know, the inner city kids. Yeah, I think, you know, the, the, you know, we, we, you know, there's there's a few guys out here in in, in the DC area that are that are you know really pushing the culture of futsal in the inner city, and, and you see a lot of the, the the younger guys, you know, taking obviously a uh, you know a liking to it because again, you can do it outside on the court. You know, it's not as structured. You know, you can kind of just go out there and do your thing and express yourself. And I think with basketball, obviously, me being in DC and PG County, which is where I'm from, PG County is a hotbed for 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 you talking about basketball players, Kevin Durant, you know what I mean? And, and players, you know, obviously we got, we got a ton of players that, that are in the NBA. Um, and so basketball's huge here and the courts are even packed. Even now during the pandemic, you go to the court and it's just <laughs> out there just, you know, they're going, they're going for it. And you would like to see that in, in, in futsal, how we introduce it to them in a way that I guess is cool or, you know, a way that, you know, I guess they can take to it because in my opinion, I feel like that's what we're kind of missing in U.S. soccer is the inner city. And yeah. if, we had, if if the inner city, and I'll say me, even though I'm not necessarily from the inner city, but, I, you know, obviously I'm I'm a part of that culture. I would say if we had, you know, the ability to to play soccer because it's so it's so damn expensive. Yeah. If we created avenues for these kids to play soccer, get exposed, get seen by universities, then they would want to do it. But now all they know is soccer, basketball and football because those coaches – are able to get them on the AAU teams, who are able to get them in front of college coaches, who are then able to get them to the NBA or overseas and things like that. Whereas though in the inner yeah. city, you don't have guys coming down to Southeast DC talking about, hey, man, you guys should play soccer and I could get you here, here, and here. Because at the end of the day, a lot of times parents are looking for a way out for their kids and basketball and football is that way out. We know now yeah. MLS is offering decent money now and we have the colleges are giving out more scholarships for soccer. So now we have more that we can offer these parents to get their kids more involved in soccer. And you see it now. I got a lot of my friends who obviously are from the city that hit me up and like, yo, I'm trying to get my kid in, in, in the soccer. You know, what, what do I need to do? Blah, 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 blah. So, yes, I think futsal and street soccer is, is the way that we can go in those communities and introduce the game and then take it, take those yeah. kids further. So you're saying that's a way to make it more accessible. But at the end of the day, it's for like sure. – the parents they want to see a roadmap you know at least with basketball and football you know i see i can get my family out the out the inner city i can get my family you know make take care of my family if, if i make it playing basketball football mm-hmm. um so if we could see more of those roadmaps from the soccer for the futsal standpoint i think 
and that you know comes to you know people like you and me you know you can't you can't go to Croatia you know playing football I mean maybe through like vacation but to be able to play a sport and travel the world overseas if we expose the young kids to that the inner city kids I definitely think more people will play and obviously with futsal that that street culture that uh taking guys 1v1 or guys and gals 1v1 there's nothing like that yeah, because I mean, you want to do that, and then you see somebody fall, you're like, oh, you know what I mean? That's that culture. <laughs> like, you, yeah. you do a move, they be seeing me play. They're like, damn, you play like you playing basketball, yeah? Because I have that. I played basketball coming up, so I have that PG in me. I have that culture of where I'm, you know what I mean? I'm going. Yeah. That's how. That's what I do. You know what I mean? And so, but but, you know, to further go in deep, a little deeper, we don't have to keep going on it, but it's it's for me you need money as well if you look at basketball you know and you look at these pro players they all have aau teams pg you got That's team cool. Durant. you know what i mean you got team durant kevin durant has an aau program and you look at all these guys chris paul has an aau program. And lebron is in his community i promise and all those things we go into dmv i can look around and, and again i know soccer players aren't making that kind of money that those guys are making but even even as a collaborative effort you know we look at you know dc united or 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 whoever else, where are the programs in Southeast DC, you know, Northeast DC, even Northwest DC, you know, shout out to my guy, Amir who's doing some big things with open goal project over up. In oh, yeah. Shout out to Amir. We're going to get him on the show. Soon. Oh, for sure. For sure. Big, great dude, man. Big time, big time, big time. Um, but he, you know, he's one of those guys that have come from an experienced MLS and has brought his experience back into the area. I'm trying to do something like that. Um, but obviously, you know, you need funds. You need um, sponsorship. You need, you know, you need, you know, access to the fields. I mean, there's a lot of things that, you know, soccer is not given here in this. And I can only speak for D.C. I don't know. New York, L.A., you know, wherever you guys are. I don't know y'all inner city struggles. But for us, you know, it's it's having I think it's going to take for a player to really get out into that Bundesliga or, you know, out into the Spanish Premier or, or the EPL. And, and come back and create. This is my program. There is no fees attached to this. Come in, you know, showcase your talent. If you do well, you go on. You know what I mean? Yeah. That way we can generate that excitement. Players can start coming in and believe that they have the opportunity to go Division One college, go on to the MLS or overseas. And so, yeah. No, that's what it's all about. And, you know, congrats to you. Like, But talk about, you know, you starting your own club and talk about, you know, some of the big plans that you have for 2021. I think it's amazing. Definitely more, uh, you know, athletes in the game, especially from the soccer standpoint, need to figure out ways to give back to their community. And that's what you're doing. So talk about how it all came about and some of the plans you got for the upcoming year. <clears throat> um, I mean, obviously, you know, I talked about my my, my dad being a coach. Uh, my mom is, is you know, uh is I don't know her exact position, but she's one of the directors of, you know, the whole parks and recreation in, in Alexandria, Virginia, which is a, a suburb out in Virginia. Um, and so working youth sports and being involved in recreation is kind of in our family. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, coaching has always been a part of, you know, my dad has always groomed me, um, not only as a player, but I've, watching him coach, you kind of, you know, you know, I'm just the product of, uh, of him, essentially the thing, his philosophies and, and the things that he's he's taught me is obviously, you know, uh, allowed me to to be, you know, I guess you can say, you know, I'm pretty decent at coaching. I'm not going to, you know what I mean? But um, for me, you know, I want to be able to um, imprint 
you know, my 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 philosophy, um, you know, obviously in, in, into the DMV culture. And I think I am DMV culture. You know what I mean? Being able to go out and play around the world and play with some of the best players in the world and actually find some success. You know, I'm not obviously I don't have the you know, I don't have the best resume and I didn't play, you know, in the EPL or anything like that, but I've done well. And I, I, you know, I've went farther than, than players and I want players to be able to experience that. And so from, I know what it takes because I've been there. And so I can come back and tell these players, you want to go to college, you want to get a full scholarship. This is what you need to do. Why? Because I did that. You want to play pro? This is what you need to do. Why? Because I did that. You want to go to the national team? This is what you need to do. Why? Because I did that. And now they have a, not only do they have a they have a visual representation, but they have a brown, a black or brown guy that they can look at and say, this guy looks like me. And if he can do it, and and you know, I have I have players of all races, religions. And for me, it doesn't matter. For me, that's the cool. thing that bridges the gap is the ball. And that's that's what inspires me to to start inspired me to start uh, my program, which is Intensity Futsal, who I started with with Ryan Russell, who's Obviously, you know, one of the best players I've ever played with and, and, you know, a great friend of mine and Brandon Container, who's another really close friend of mine. And we do that out and, and all over the DMV. I have programs in D.C., uh, PG County, and then we go down to Southern Maryland as well. And, uh, you know, I think for me, it's just us, you know, knowing that futsal is what's going to take these players and get these players the skill, the accountability, um, you know, all the things that they need to be good individual soccer players and then go on to be successful within their teams. And I'm all about building players, good players to be good players, make great, te- make great teams. Yeah. You don't just get a bunch of average players and they have a good team. It doesn't work like that. So I'm all about, I'm all about have creating good players, great players to go on within teams. And then those teams become, become great. And That's so true. our focus is those individual players. And we think futsal is the easiest route to be able to coach a player and create a good player as opposed to focusing on, ah, let's be, we're eight years old and we're trying to go win tournaments and games. People don't even keep scoring. Nobody cares. Right. So that's that's why we started, you know, intensity futsal. Uh, Follow us on Instagram, intensity, intensity futsal. Yeah. Yeah, We're definitely on the show notes for sure. Yeah, yeah, I'll definitely follow that. I know L will follow that. I'm talking, I'm talking to uh, the fans. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah, no, we definitely gonna have them tapped in for sure. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. No, I, I like what you said about the like the collective, but within that, you have to you know develop the individual because then they can provide more for the team, obviously for more for themselves and develop you know long term. You know, um, let me pause you right there. And one of the things I wanted to, before you go is one of the, a lot of times you'll see coaches that are so worried about results. That yeah. you'll have a bunch of mediocre players playing kick and run soccer, and you might have a fast guy playing forward, and you yeah. might have a guy that has a big kick playing, you know, center back or whatever. <laughs> you kick it forward to the guy that's fast, he goes scores goals for you. You win five, six, seven, zero, and you think you're playing good soccer. Whereas though all the players that are that are that are even the player that's playing forward, once he gets older, all that you know, by, all that's by the time he gets 13, 14, then nowhere to be like, oh, what happened to that? He ain't developing you know what yeah. I mean? And so now you have a bunch of mediocre players. Yeah, they found success. U9, U10, 11, 12. Now where are these players? Yeah. So we need coaches to really not be focused on winning games. Do not focus on winning games. Focus on creating great players. Then the winning will come. But anyway, go ahead. No, no, no I mean, you brought up a great point. You know, I, I thank one of my old coaches back in the day because, um, you know, I was bigger and faster than most 
kids at a, a younger age. So I could do that, like just dribble past everyone or run past everyone. But he made an adamant to make sure that you need to develop these skills because at some point, you know, these, some of these kids are going to catch up to you in, in like size and strength. So always working on my technique. And now you can combine the two. So I think it's really important that you said that as a coach. Like, yeah, it's cool to win, but it's cool to develop players um, long for the long term. And I think sure. that's really important. So, sure. so, you know, we talked about, you know, things that you're doing for the community, the impact that you have. Um, all right. Give us your five aside. Who are you picking on your squad, including you, um, futsal or field players? Um, if you're going against, you know, five, five people. Whew. Five. We're, and we're playing futsal? Yeah, you're playing yeah. futsal. And I have to be in the lineup? I, I, I mean, if if it was me, I'm picking myself. I don't care. Like, I, I, I got to put myself in the lineup. <laughs> so, yeah. I'm not that prideful. Um, no, nah, yeah, I'm making – yeah, you got to put yourself in the lineup. All right. So, we'll go me. We'll go Ricardinho. Um, Is that the guy with all the, like, IG clips? Everyone shows – like, he's, like, the greatest – okay. Portugal. Yeah. If we're talking futsal, you got to put Falcao in there, and then I'll I'll put I'll put Ronaldinho, Ronaldinho, okay. Ronaldinho Gaucho, and then the uh, goalkeeper. I mean, I, I mean, uh, who would I put a goalkeeper? I don't know. Give me Peter Schmeichel. What the hell? Okay, respect. Because you talked about football being like you have to play defense too, and you name like uh, all uh, offensive players. So how does that how does that work from that aspect? Shit, we're vibes, play. man. We're we gonna score more than that. <laughs> all vibes. I mean, the thing about football is is even the good, even the good offensive players like Ricardinho and, and Falcao. Uh, you know, they they play defense good enough. You uh-huh. know what I mean? Yeah. Um, you know, and, and and again, you you can't just just because they're great offensively. Um, and you know, Ronaldinho. I mean, how many times have you seen Ron, Ronaldinho just get beat as if he wasn't there? You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, you you, hard, you hardly ever see you know see a Ronaldinho. Yeah, he might not play as much defense, but you're, you know. So I think on a futsal court, I mean, I think just the the knowledge that he has. Uh, the ability to read the game, to read players' movements. One-on-one, I'm taking him any day, offensively okay. or defensively, uh, defensively against a lot of guys, to, to be fair. Um, and the same for, for obviously, you know, Ricardinho and Falcao. And, we, yeah. you know, we can say Messi, who is, to me, is – I rate him. Yeah. And, if, I mean, and if you guys had the ball the whole time, and the best defense is, uh, is, a, is a greater offense. You know, offense. So. Exactly. And who's taking okay. the ball from any of them? Nobody, bro. <laughs> Nobody. <laughs> so when it comes to like futsal it's crazy your story you know you played outdoor you got your debut like at 28 you know doing indoor then you go to futsal um and you end up playing for the national team um talk about you know what it's like from the u.s national team on the futsal side because you know i mean we hear about u.s men's national team played today you know u.s women's national team getting all their shine um mm-hmm. even though it's not enough um, but from the futsal side, how do you guys feel like you guys are represented? Um, what's what's it like? What are some of the perks? All that. Um, 
I mean, it's, it's dope. It's dope. Obviously, I mean, again, you got to, futsal is an extended, is what you would call an extended national team. Mm-hmm. Um, futsal is not at the forefront of U.S. soccer. And obviously we all know that. And it's, futsal is not at the forefront of any nation's soccer, unless you're talking about like, you know, smaller countries, like, you know what I mean? Where yeah. they find success in soccer, like, I mean, in futsal, like, uh, you know, Portugal and, and Brazil, they, you know, they treat their futsal teams very well. Um, Serbia and those those European countries that are you know up in those areas, uh, you know they treat their football teams well, and those football teams find success. I think for U.S., obviously the priority is the is the I would say is the men's and the in the women's national team. And like you said, you would think that the women you know got a little bit more. Um, and I live with a few of them, and it's dope to just see how popular they are, man. They they are they are awesome. I mean, yeah. the national team they are, I and mean, those kids love them. And when I was playing in North Carolina, we had the NC Courage, and you had you know, oh, yeah. four or five women's national team, and you just see the reaction they get, and just being around them, it's just a different vibe. I mean, they're just, I mean, they're they're legit famous, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, um, no, it's dope, and so obviously that's where majority of the resources was go. And then you got futsal, you got beach soccer, you got these extended national teams. Um, for futsal, I mean, I think it, it, you know, obviously just being in in the U.S. national team pool of players and being in that environment and going away to national team camps and things like that. I mean, it's dope. You know, obviously you get everything paid for your travel and, and all your expenses, and then you know, obviously you know you get to travel around the world and into different cities all over the country and and train with obviously you know some you know some of the best coaches and players um, that the that the country has to offer. So um, I mean, I mean, it's just a, it's a dope experience, bro. Uh, and then you get to, you know, obviously you get to wear the crest and, you know, that obviously, yeah. you know, that's something that, that, that you dream about and, you know, in whatever capacity, you know, just to say that you did it, um, obviously, you know, rate you as one of the best players in that sport in the country. And, yeah. and so you don't take that lightly. And so I was lucky enough to, you know, obviously, you know, get caps over in Croatia. And then, you know, I've been to what last year I went to what four camps and, you know, national team camps. And, and so, you know, I mean, it's just a dope experience. They treat you well. Uh, you know what I mean? You you get you get great gear. You know, obviously Nike. And yeah, then, the gear, the gear, the gear, probably know, one of the best perks. Yeah, I mean, you don't make the, you know, you're not making the money that the the, the, the national team making. You know, I mean, it's just it just is what it is. But at the same time, I mean, it, it's dope. And then you know, you get to put it on your resume, and it looks good. And you get that you get that national team experience. That that professionalism is is one of those things that you can always keep with you, and 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 bring back home and, and give to your kids. So. I mean, it's just something I wouldn't trade it for the world. Yeah. And you talked about, you know, it's always an honor to wear the crest, but, you know, obviously over the past couple of years, there's been a lot of U.S. soccer controversy. So can you talk about that from the, you know, futsal side, you know, being like an extension, like mm-hmm. extended team, like you said, mm-hmm. um, how do you personally feel about it? If you could speak on it um, with everything. And, and what in particular? Oh, I feel like there's so much. Oh, is there anything specific that you want to kind of ask? Um, I guess really recently, just the way that they've kind of handled um, the racial racial inequality mm-hmm. um, that's been happening. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's been, you know, statements and protests and players kneeling, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And then as of recently, we've had, you know, people from the Athletes Council, you know, saying what they say. Um, so just wanted to kind of get your take on that. Like, do you feel like, I don't want to get you in trouble either. Like, no, do you feel, like, yeah, you feel like, like the Federation is supportive of people of color um and you know that they're really you know standing behind the causes the outward showing of you know wanting to have more equality wanting to um raise awareness for more equality um do you feel supported in that 
in that space as a player? Um, I guess, and I guess that's a t- you know, obviously, you know, that's a that's a that's a that's a touchy subject because yeah, people when people are ignorant to to certain things, they tend to not understand the impact that it has on on on. Uh, so let's say if if I if 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 my futsal coach is 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 European, and he doesn't understand racial injustice in America, how do I hold him accountable for him saying, okay, you guys must stand for the national anthem? Because for him, he found escape in America and then found success. Whereas though for us, we have been, we, yes, we have opportunity, but we know we have less opportunity and we know that we have been oppressed. And so for us, standing for the national anthem isn't as important to somebody that has found liberation in, in, in the in the U.S. and kind of freedom from their their own civil war in another country. So to them, the flag means more because they haven't had to deal with the oppression that we had had to deal with. And one of the things that it, that troubled me for a while, I mean, okay, I remember in Croatia, and, and this was 2020, so this is when all the stuff was was going down. You know what I mean? Yeah, um, and you know I'm looking around. I'm like, you know, you know, my, 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 my standing for no national anthem. You know what I mean? Like, man, I'm gonna, you know, what I mean, I'm gonna put my foot down. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. But you, but, but then I think in the back of the mind, you look at it, you say, okay, I'm on the futsal national team. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm not. You know what I mean? If I'm causing controversy, you know what I mean? And I think that's one of the things that black people kind of struggle with, which is why I give so much ups to the people that you know, your Martin Luther Kings, or your Malcolm X's, your Rosa Parks, and all the people that. We, we look up to back in the day, and even your players now, your Kaepernick's and, and your LeBron's and the people that are standing for social for justice now because yeah. it's a very, very difficult space to be in and to navigate when you don't have necessary the economic power or social power to, 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 to drive culture forward. For instance, if I deal for the national team in Croatia, nobody here would hear about it. If I got put off the, the futsal men's national team for doing it, would anybody hear about it? Maybe. Do I have enough money to hire a lawyer and cause a big stir about it? Yeah. Probably not. You feel what I'm saying? And yeah. so you kind of got to look at it from that lens. So when U.S. soccer put out that statement that we, you know, we, because when we were in course, they were like, well, you must stand for the national anthem, you know, hard over your cut, whatever, whatever. And you're like, okay. And that's why I had to think, okay, they may not. And if they do, you know, hey. That's something they have to deal with, but they may not know how this impacts me as a black as a black man. Yeah. I mean, playing for the the U.S. team in a country which I love, but I have also been racially profiled. I've been pulled over, pulled out my car, uh, have photos taken of me by police, and put and, and all put in all types of bad situations. Put out of stores, followed in stores for 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 nothing, you know, just for being black. And so I've experienced all these these. And my father as well, who came as an immigrant to this country from Africa. And so my family have experienced these these things firsthand. And so, you know, I had to, you know, for me, they don't, they don't understand how much it hurts me to see George Floyd, to see, you know, all, all these things and, and all these, these, these racial things being, you know, thrown around by, you know, our president and his followers and things like that. And, and, and how much that affects me personally. I don't know if they necessarily... No, because they're not in my situation. If you get what I'm saying, you know, and so I have to, to, to take that in, in account and try to just be a, as professional as possible. And then when U.S. put out this statement that, you know, national team members and extended national team members can kneel if they want. They don't have to stand because 
at first I, we had to stand, you know, that was part of the U.S. Yeah. That was part of being on the national team. And whereas though now, so I do feel like they're coming around with the support and then, you know, they fire, they, they got rid of the guy that, you know, made the, the, those statements or whatever. So, you know, the, the culture is starting to shift. Obviously it's not everything that we want and the changes aren't moving as fast as we want, but what do you do? You know what I mean? Yeah. What do you do? Uh, uh, you know, I mean, again, I, I just think for me, I just use my platforms to try to obviously spread knowledge about, you know, racial injustice and oppression and, and things that I've dealt with and, and how we can move away from them things for, uh, as far as U.S. soccer creating, pro, like we talked about, creating programs in the inner city, making ex- ex- soccer accessible to people that are in red line communities, those communities that don't have the money and the opportunity to pay for and play with good coaches. You're not talking about those guys that come from, you know, at Southeast, you got guys coming from Minnesota. They go out yeah. there, hey, guys, here, play, let's play soccer or whatever. You know what I mean? They're not teaching them the game. Can they get good coaching? Can we fund that so they can learn how to play the game properly? Can we create opportunities for black and brown people in America to play this game at a high level? And I think, obviously, that start at the, at the root of it is there's so many things that we can change to feel more supported. So yeah. do I feel really supported? No. Do I feel that things are changing? Yeah, I guess. You know what I mean? But we know where we are. And we know, you know, it is what it is. No, yeah, I like how you broke it down because um, when you look at it from both sides and obviously it being in the situation as a player, uh, understanding it, and then from the impact standpoint, like how can we provide impact in different ways? So uh, I know it's tough to deal with, but, you know, everyone has their own way to handle it. For sure. Um, on a lighter note, though, uh, you know, <laughs> futsal, when you, when you talk about futsal, uh, when futsal really, really first broke onto the scene in the U.S. was like when Nike and Brazilian national team was doing all the commercials. Mm-hmm. And I think mm-hmm. the thing that made it um, great was the music, like the music around it. So give us your pre-match playlist with who you rocking with. You got some go-go. you got go-go experience. You got, you know, music from futsal. You got drummer background in your family. Who, what's, who, who's on your pre-match playlist? Man. I, I, bro, I can't even. I know you got some of your own to, your own tunes on it. Um, I mean, for me, you talking. I mean, I, I can go anywhere for real, for real. To be honest with you, I mean, if we're talking go go. You gotta throw some. You gotta throw some TCB on there. You gotta throw some backyard on there. If we talking rap, you know, what I mean, you could throw. If we're going old school, you could throw some Biggie on there. I love Snoop. You could throw some, obviously, you know, in the new school. I mean, it's, you know, I'm, I love new school. So it got to be, you know, you got to throw Future on there. You know what I mean? <laughs> you got to throw Drake on there. You got to throw, even now, you got to throw Lil Baby, Pusha, yeah. the baby. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's it's too many hard rappers on Yeah, no Shy Glizzy on there? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. You got to throw Shy on there. It's funny. I I know him for a long. He, he came up in the go-go. He came yeah. up in the go-go. He was playing for a band, Wale. I performed with Wale. Um, he, you know, he came up in the go-go, but, you know, he, I, I support him because he's he from the area. So yeah. big, big <laughs> That's what I heard about Wale. People, like, kind of changed that. Uh, like, I still support him. Yeah, and then, you know, God throw some, like, you know I mean? I mean, it's just so many avenues I could go, man. But for sure, I, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a rap dude. I love rap music. I like, I like uh, you know, like Metallica. You could crank down. You know what I mean? I like hardcore stuff. Like, uh, you know, 
um, you know, hardcore, you know, like there's some, like some techno songs, like a lot of like in the futsal culture overseas, you know, a lot of that fast rhythm, like techno type beats, you know, um, and obviously in Brazil, those rhythms, all that kind of stuff. Obviously I, I can't give you names of songs, but, um, and then African music, cause obviously I'm, I'm West African. So, you know, Burna Boy, you know what I mean? You know, WizKid and, and, and Davido and guys like that. You know, I mean, I can rock with them too. So, it, you know, I can cover all. It just depends on what mood I'm in. Okay. What's that? Depends on how I'm trying to get to it. Depends on how I'm trying to get to it on that day. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I feel so it. what kind of what kind of boots you rocking? Like I know I see I see them fours in the background. Um, mm-hmm. oh, yeah. So I know. Yeah, so yeah. I know I know you got some sneaker head in you. Yeah. But like yeah, on, yeah. on the court. Yeah. What what you rocking? On the court right now, I'm rocking. Um, I'm rocking Jomas right now on the football court. Um, with the national team, you have to wear Nike. So um, I wear I wear the uh, Lunar Gatos on, on, on when I'm playing. You know, obviously with the with the national team, because unless you're fully sponsored uh, mm-hmm. by a brand, you have to wear Nike with wear the them. national team. So I wear the Gatos when I'm playing with them, and then um, you know if I'm playing with my team, Intensity or whatever I got going on here, I wear wear Jomas. Um, and that's what I'm rocking right now. Not for any particular reason, but you know, I, I like the shoes that I'm wearing. They're comfortable for me. So, okay. So, Joma, if you're listening, we need to get Homeboy in a in a full little sponsor deal. You know, yeah, I mean, they sent me the shoes I got now. So, big uh-huh. up to Joma, man. They, they sent me the ones I got now. I love them. Uh, I've talked to them. You know, we you know we've talked to them, but you know, you know they got plenty of futsal players. So, you know, hopefully, oh. they, you know what, man, we throw you some more shoes, whatever. You know, yeah. y'all should sponsor the club. Oh, I love that. Yeah, sponsor the club. Yeah. <laughs> Right, right, right. <laughs> All right, so let's jump into um, a little game we like to play called Two Truths and a Cap. We were supposed to do this at the beginning, oh, but, I switched, but I switched the format up on. I told y'all one of my, my uh, truths. I got to rethink it, but go oh, ahead. All right. <laughs> we, sw- we switched the format up on on um, on a Moby, so I don't blame him for, for passing it up okay. this time. Next okay. time. We'll... Oh, yeah, we did switch up the format. My bad. All right, but we're going we gonna to come back to it. So... Two truths in the cap. John, you give us three facts about yourself. Mm-hmm. Two of them will be true. One will be a lie. And Moby and I have to guess what the lie is. So I think last week I got I got mine right. Yeah, I got Moby, it wrong. You, you, you sliding down the scale again, yeah, bro. Like, oh, yeah. So whenever you're ready, John, like, go ahead. Just, just tell uh, us all three. Tell us all three up front, and then we'll try to guess at the end. I have. I gave you all one, so I got to, I got to, I got to, I got to rethink it. Uh Whew. All right. Two truths and a lie. All right. Um, all right. All right. I, sc- I, I, I met Messi, uh, scored a goal against Manchester United, and I helped write a song for Wale. Oh. Um. I'm going to say meeting Messi is the cat because you would have, it ain't no way we went through this whole interview without you mentioning that. <laughs> sure uh i'm gonna say y'all play you played against uh man united obviously with dc united you said that kind of earlier but i don't think you scored against them um but if you met messi you probably would have included him in your in your in your uh futsal five and then i say you said you went on concert with wale but it did take a song yeah it took you hella long to come up with that though. So it's like <laughs> Yeah, I'm gonna go with Messi. 
You hear me, Miss? He probably met uh, like Dino or something. You hear me? No, I was the third one. I didn't. I didn't help write while they write a song. Oh. Uh. Nah, I'm just messing with y'all. Y'all got it right. I didn't. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, I was about to say, like, tell us about this messy story then. <laughs> yeah. Nah, no, never, never met, never met messy, never met messy. That's on my fucking oh. list. Hopefully one day, one day. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> I should have just left it like that. <laughs> <laughs> nah, never... that was a good one. Uh, we would have never one. even known. Right, right, right. Call, right, right. call messy to fact check that. <laughs> yeah, man, goat man. I- all right, so let's get into let's get into another um another game we like to play here called No Card, Yellow Card, Red Card. So mm-hmm. this is sort of a rapid fire game that we play where where I'll read off some topics. Like they can be pop culture, it could be soccer, it could be whatever. But you'll give your opinion on that topic using the soccer card system. Okay. So no card is, you know, I'm cool with it, I agree. Yellow card is I'm indifferent, I can go either way. Or in red card is I disagree or I'm not cool with it and kind of give a little explanation of why you gave that card. So got it? Yep. All right. So first up, first up. So Gareth Bell recently made his intentions about his future known by saying that he intends to return to Real Madrid at the end of his loan with Tottenham. So basically the main reason he came to Spurs was to play football going into the Euro so that he could be match fit. So so Bell basically used his ex-club as a rebound to get his get his current club back. So, what card are you giving Garrett? And what what is it? What, which one is it again? Red card is what? Red card is I disagree. Or I'm, oh, you disagree with it? Yeah, it's foul. I'm not cool with it. And yellow card is. You can go either way. And. No card is I agree with it. I'm cool with it. No card. I mean. <laughs> I mean, as a, I mean, as a player, obviously, I mean, the club's going to look out for their best interest. So why not as a player, you look out for your best interest. As far as him saying that, I don't know. I, I mean, maybe there's a, maybe there's a, uh, you know, maybe there's a red card on that one. Uh, you know what I mean? But yeah, I mean, should have kept that on the low. <laughs> yeah. I mean, maybe. Yeah. But you know, I don't, I don't have a problem with players looking out for, you know, for them. Cause at the end of the day, club's going to look out for themselves. So. Yeah. Facts. I'm just going to give yellow card just cause of the delivery. I mean, I mean, Tottenham, he has a dear place in his heart for Tottenham. I mean, that's where he kind of like broke out. Mm-hmm. Um, but from the Real Madrid side, it's like, yeah, I'm coming back. So y'all going to have to figure out what y'all going to do with me. Um, Are we talking about the statement or the decision? The decision, no problem with the decision. Oh, so, so we're I talking think, about the delivery. Yeah, just the delivery and yeah. how he like went oh, about Oh, yeah. I mean, obviously, yeah. yeah. If, we're yeah. Talking about, how, if we're talking about the delivery, then. Yeah. How he played the entire situation. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. No problem with what he did. <laughs> yeah, hey, I don't have a problem with what he did, but I, like yeah. I said, I mean, I'll give him. A, and you said a yellow is kind of an issue. Yeah. Either way, you can yeah, go. I'll give, give him a yellow for you know the way he handled it. Yeah, I'll give him a yellow. Yeah. Mm. All right, all right, and I got one more. All right, all right. Ron Burke, Ron Burkle, who's the former lead investor for Sac, Sac Republic's MLS bid. Was recently pitching the idea of moving the, his NWSL territory rights from Sacramento to San Diego. Mm-hmm. So, what card are y'all giving Ron for this? As he already pulled out the, the MLS bid for Sac, Sac Republic, kind of derailing that. Now he's pitching his NWSL rights to San Diego. So, further, you know, driving the knife in Sacramento's back. What kind of card? What card y'all giving him for this? Hey, I'm giving him a red card. If he pull up in Sac, <laughs> it might be bad for him. People. It might be bad for him if he pull up in sack. He, he just like, um, but it's it's actually 
it's crazy too because the like chairman for the San Diego Loyal, he was actually the you know the gentleman that brought the team to Sacramento, and for this to kind of like I don't want to say come full circle, like the now potential or was going to be owner of the MLS franchise to like now work with San Diego, who was the chairman who brought. It's it's gonna it's interesting, but uh, yeah, I'm gonna give him a red card. Not actually, let me give a yellow card because you know, anytime there's you know more expansion and more growth for the women's game, you gotta love it. No matter if it's in Sacramento or San Diego, wherever it's at, you, that's that's a benefit. But like, what's he doing from a? He doesn't give a, he doesn't give a crap about PR. At least in yeah. the Sacramento community, you don't care. He's like, hey, I'm doing what I'm doing. I'm a business. I'm a billionaire. So y'all can figure it out. I don't care. <laughs> Yeah, for me, it's a yellow. You know what I mean? I'm on the fence because the fans, you know what I mean? The supporters, the, the the city, the enthusiasm, they probably, you know, really wanted that thing to happen. But again, at the same time, I'm never against people doing what's best for them. <laughs> for you, it, it just depends on what's best for you, obviously. Yeah. You know, as long as it's not like super, super, super effed up or shady, you know what I mean? Then, then yeah. So I'm going to give him a yellow just because, you know what I mean? You know, he didn't follow through with, you know, the initial plan. All right. Yes, sir. That's that on that. I guess he ain't got no reason to go back to sack anyway. You know? Yeah. Y'all not fun to see me in the city anyway. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. What are you going to sack Rizmano for anyway? If you're. <laughs> hey, hey, let's chill. Let's chill. That's my whole you know, Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be a sack native. Like, he's biased. <laughs> y'all nah, have so I'll be telling people the same thing. Like Chris Weber, bro. I'm sorry, man. Yeah, no, nah, I'll be telling people the same thing. Sack, sack, sack has a lot of potential, but they need to let some, let some, some of the game changers move and shape how they need to do it. I've been so. to Cali a bunch of times. I've never been a sack, bro. I've never been a sack minute, so I can't really speak to that. So no, but you know, nah, it's all love. It's all love. Just messing with you. Where you, where you from? Um, I'm from the Bay Area. Are you from Bay Area? I've been to Bay Area rack of times. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Bay Area. I love Bay Area. Yeah, yeah, area. There you go. Yeah, yeah. All right, so um, this week's Black Soccer History is we want to give Kim Crab her flowers. So Kim Crab grew up in Reston, VA, and played as a forward on George Mason's 1985 NCAA championship team. The following year, she was selected as the first African-American woman on the U.S. women's national team being called up to play outside back. While she didn't become the first black player to earn a cap with the U.S. US women's national team, that honor went to Sandy Gordon. She opened the door for women of color to live out their dreams as part of the United States women's national team. So currently, she coaches and does community outreach in Wilmington, North Carolina, still creating impact on still creating impact on the game at the local level. And for that, we want to salute Kim for being a trailblazer for the generations of Black women that will represent this country behind her. So salute to Kim. Uh, major salute for sure. Big ups, Kim. And that's it for the week. Yeah. So, uh, yo, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, it was great to finally get to you know meet you and your story. Yeah, man. If, you, if you ever really think about doing movie scripts, hey, let us know. We've yeah, been- I've had a couple of talks to, with, with, with a couple with a couple of people that. Okay. You had no talks, talks, talks with Two Cents Force though, so you yeah, know. you're right. Somebody reached out to me, um, like not too long ago about it. Yeah, um, she's a she's a videographer. She creates like movies and contents and things like that. And she was like, "Yo, you know, I want to do your story, and you know, what do we need to do?" Blah blah blah. Yeah, I think it'll be a great. A great, it'll make a great movie. It doesn't even have to be an autobiography. It could literally just be like a movie, like 
You know what yeah. I mean? Straight up. I, I, I know a couple of folks at Two Cent Sports that would be definitely interested. So um, <laughs> if you're thinking about that, for sure tap in. Hey, y'all got my contact info, man. We can lock in. Show them what I'm all about. You know, but for the uh, for the audience that may want to get to know you, support what you got going on, you know, insanity futsal, all the th- wonderful intensity. things. Intensity. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, my fault. I saw, you good, you good, you good. Intensity. Um, where can they tap in? Where can they support? Um, well, you can follow me at John Lives On J O N L I V E S O M Instagram Intensity Futsal I N one zero S I T Y Futsal or Intensity Performance I N one zero s-i-t-y performance all on instagram um you can get all our information all our contact info everything's right there on instagram so yeah follow us support like share the videos um and yeah no nah, that's what it's all about yeah we're definitely gonna have that in the show notes make sure you guys support yep. uh john and all his endeavors uh thanks once again that's our show for this week make sure you subscribe rate and review it helps us get discovered Follow us on all the socials at Two Cents FC. Check out our merch at Two Cents Sports Shop. L, show them the jersey you're rocking with. You see me with the hat. Uh, I think some people are going to get their jerseys real soon. Yeah, some uh, people so- already got them. Oh, people okay. who order name sets are coming soon. Yeah. What size you wear, man? I'll hit y'all up, man. I need Man, I need support. Nah, respect because uh, so our merch that helps support the show. If you want me or El, you know, to continue giving you weekly, consistent, unfiltered thoughts and opinions from your favorite uh, individuals in the soccer game, um, and then tweet us your comments on the show and any topics you want me or El to discuss. Uh, once again, thank you guys for joining us, and we'll talk to you guys soon. Peace out.